And of course, we have to, as creationists, then realize there's no scientific evidence. In order for it to be a scientific absolute, there would have had to have been a scientist there observing the event of creation. He would have had to have documented everything that took place and then be able to come back and write it up and report on what actually happened. Dear friend, there is no scientific evidence of creation. What must happen is, bottom line, we must accept creation by faith. But wait a minute. What about the evolutionists? The evolutionists have some problems as well. Longevity of time is needed for the evolutionists. There must be eons of time in the past in order for something to come into existence. You know how the evolutionists would say something comes into existence? It's something impersonable, plus a long period of time, plus chance, equals what we are today. So the evolutionist needs longevity of time. But changing opinions, when you look at the scientific community today, you can be very aware of the fact that there are many secular, non-Christian scientists who are saying evolution is not a possibility. There's changing opinions in the scientific world that would give the evolutionists some real problems. And by the way, there is no scientific evidence for evolution either. When you stop to really dig into this, you will find out there is no absolute scientific evidence for evolution. They said from a big bang out there, many, many eons in the past, there was this something of some type of matter came into existence and it started to evolve and it evolved and it evolved. The scientist is not able to tell us that there is any absolute evidence for the evolutionist. In fact, what I am saying to you, as the creationist, must accept creation by faith. So the evolutionist must accept his theory by faith as well. Let me tell the evolutionist, he has a real problem. For example, let's just take the little simple item of an egg. Have you ever thought about that? An egg, the little egg that has the yolk and the white in it. We have them probably every morning for breakfast. Well, just think with me a few moments about what might have happened for one of those little chickens that came into existence. You know, uh, the hen is getting ready to lay this egg, but she wants to have it fertilized so she can bring forth life and have a little chick instead of just having an egg for somebody to have on a breakfast table. And so can you just imagine how this chick, would, uh, this uh, mother hen would have said, well, how am I going to bring this chick into existence? I've got to this glob of uh, white and yellow. I've got to pull it together. I, I need something. Maybe I could put it. What about a shell? I'll put it into a shell. Well, you know, can you imagine if you ever dropped an egg and tried to put it back into the shell once again? Almost an impossibility. But if evolution is correct, that's exactly what the mother hen would have had to have done. Speaking of the shell, do you know that shell is unique? It has 10,000 holes in it, that eggshell is capable of giving breath to that young chick that is coming into existence inside that eggshell. 10,000 holes to allow oxygen to enter and in. After a couple of days of existence and the egg has been fertilized, this new little chick will send forth four blood vessels. Two of the blood vessels are going to go to the yolk so that they can receive oxygen to sustain life on. And then after 19 days in the egg, all that oxygen is going to run out. And so uh, what is going to happen, this little chick who has developed what we call a egg tooth will break the membrane upon which it has been living 
for these 19 days, getting its food, allowing itself to eliminate its waste and have the oxygen coming in, breaks the membrane. And when you break the membrane, there's just one little section of the egg. Remember when you peel an egg, you see one little lopsided edge on the egg right there? Well, that's a section inside the shell that has oxygen, actually, an air pocket that will give life for about six hours. Now this little chick... Can you imagine all this taking place over thousands and thousands and thousands of years in order for all of this to evolve into what it is today? And in reality, this little chick takes the egg tooth and breaks the shell. And for a couple of days, for about two days to be exact, it takes the work of this little chick to break this shell and get out from underneath the shell and come into life itself. Well, the egg is a real problem as far as the evolutionist is concerned because in order for all this to happen, you need thousands and thousands of years or you need God to say in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, let there be a chicken and the chicken shall bring forth children and those chickens shall have eggs that will be able to sustain life for 21 days before the chick comes out. Well, the egg is a very good example of how God has a special plan to bring into existence life itself. The problems, there are problems for the creationists, and we must accept by faith creation is the origin of life, as the evolutionist has to put faith in what he believes in brought existence into being. That's exactly what we are confronted with when we think about the problems of creation. Now, what about the procedure? In the procedure of creation, you have the deity, you have the days upon which God created, six days, he created all things, and the duration of time. Think with me about deity. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, in verses 16 and 17, we read a very interesting statement about Jesus Christ. Colossians, chapter 1. Now, remember, what did Peter tell us to do? He said to Stir up our pure minds with remembrance of what God had done. And Peter, of course, was a friend of Paul. Paul wrote to the people at Colossae, and Paul wrote the book of Colossians. And here's what he says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by him, for by Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. If we simply allow God's word to tell us the truth, and God's word is the truth, so it can reveal truth to us, then Colossians 1.16 says, by him, by Jesus Christ, were all things created. They were created by him and for him. Look at verse 17. Here's another interesting verse that scientists have been dealing with over the years, and they finally come to understand that the Word of God must have some truth in it. Verse 17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. What is holding everything together? You talk about atoms, you talk about molecules, you talk about all of a sudden trying to divide these atoms. That's how you bring nuclear power into existence. Well, how did they think about all of these things happening and coming together unless there was a power holding it all together. How could they divide it unless there was something? And the Bible has always said, by Jesus Christ, he holds all things together. So he created all things. They were all created for him. 
and by him all things do consist. The book of Exodus in the Old Testament tells us that God was the one who was involved in creation as well. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, of course, is the giving of the law. I'm going to take a text out of context. It will not be a pretext, but from this verse in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, we're going to find out that it was by the Lord that all this happened. Book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 16, by Jesus Christ everything was created, by him and for him. Look at Exodus, chapter 20, and verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, and by the way, that's plural in the Hebrew, there are three heavens. How do I know that? Well, I read the Bible. And in 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, I know a man who went to the third heaven 14 years ago. I think Paul probably talking about himself, but in fact, if Paul or whoever he knows went to the third heaven, by logic means there's a second heaven and a first heaven. So we have the heavens. In six days, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and he rested the seventh day. So deity was responsible in the procedure of bringing creation into existence. It was God. See, God the Father was the architect. Remember Jesus Christ? He was a carpenter. And he was the one that brought the worlds by speaking them into existence. In six days, it was all done. Well, deity was responsible in the procedure. But what about the days? Let's go back in the book of Genesis to chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, we're going to find out that it was in six days, and we're talking about literally six 24-hour days. Now, where do I get that from? Well, let's just read the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, that's plural as well there. Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. There it is, the first day. With evening and morning, with night and day, we have the first day. Now, the reason I say it was six 24-hour days is because we are using a numerical adjective to describe the day. There it is in verse 5, the first day. Look down at verse 8. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day, a numerical adjective on the day. Look at verse 13. And the evening and the morning were the third day. Now at verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Look over in verse 23. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Go over to verse 31 of chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God uses numerical adjectives to describe the days in which he brought everything into existence, the six days of creation. But notice again, there was an evening and a morning, a day and a night.